the greatest world leaders. The news from RTHK. Why are there so many grimy hands in Hong Kong? Many people just forget to wash their hands after pressing lift buttons, holding escalator rails, sneezing, using the toilet, touching door handles, or any other public objects. Hands that look clean can still be dirty. Grimy hands may transmit infectious diseases. Always wash your hands with liquid soap or alcohol hand rub. To guard against diseases, always wash your hands.
Welcome to the Juice. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Juice. Judd Boaz with you. Boy, oh boy, hasn't the weather turned miserable? But I tell you what, inversely, conversely, um, universally, I feel overjoyed. Uh, it does not, my, my mood does not mirror the output of the weather. We've got plenty coming up on the show. Jeff Hesselwood with our Formula One talk. All your usuals. Cruz, Danny, Travi J, it's all happening. Give us a call, 233-88266. Maybe some special interviews coming up later in the show. Here's some Sincane with new name.
And they feed on insecurities I have Won't you lay your healing hands on my chest Like you're rich, you will clean Soak the ropes with your holy water Tie me down as you read out the words Set me free Steel, you're listening to The Juice on Radio 3. Brilliant to have your company. Uh, plenty more coming up on the show, as I mentioned. Uh, Going to be previewing a little festival as well, happening down on the central waterfront, uh, playing some of their artists. I interviewed some of the artists there last night. Very exciting. Have more interviews tonight, so maybe we'll play them next week. Maybe we'll play them today if I can get them edited in time. Uh, don't want to peel back the curtain too much, though. Here is some police, however... Roxanne. Right. 
Kings of Leon there. Waste a moment. Remember, if you have a request, 233-88266. Had uh, did have a request come in this one from Sarah. She wants to hear the new Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj, working side to side. Try to go. 
had another request come in. I tell you what, you guys are lively today. Here's some Althea and Donna Uptown Top Ranking. Requests go in the request hole 
Skinned Sweet Home, Alabama. Plenty more requests coming up, but we're going to take a detour. We're going to take a pit stop on our request line to have a chat to Jeff Hesselwood. Jeff, how's it going? Good morning, Jared. Yeah, good. Uh, here Did we are on the last uh, race of the long season, 21 races this, this year. Oh, I was uh, about to say, it's uh, with a, you know, a heavy heart I, I give you this call because it, it's your least favourite you know, sort of time of the year, the end of the season. Peter King was going on about it last night, about what, what am I going to do for the winter? I said, I might buy him a drink. And he said, nah, that never happened. <laughs> but, Absolutely uh, not. No, I mean, it, it, it's, in a way, it's a sad time because there's not much going to happen until February uh, in Formula One when they start testing again. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's been a long season. And I'm, I know the teams, the mechanics and the truck drivers and the rest of the people, they'd be glad to get home for a little bit of a, a breather after this uh, massive season. started in March in Melbourne, and here we are in Abu Dhabi in November. All right, so we're, we're talking Abu Dhabi. Um, Lewis and Nico are pretty close in, in free practice too, but uh, tell us a little bit about the circuit itself. Well, it's a 5.5-kilometre circuit, which is relatively long. It's got two long straights. Uh, they say it's an anti-clockwise circuit, but in fact it's got 12 left-handers and nine right-handers, so it's a mix. Um, I wouldn't say it's an exciting circuit. It's, it, it was uh, designed by Herman Tilke, who's designed so many of them. Some of them have been good and some not so good. This one, I just, I've never really liked it. Uh, Abu Dhabi, the government, pay a lot of money for it to be the last in the season they want to sort of showcase the, the place and uh, of course now the title this uh, deciding races is here in Abu Dhabi that pleases everybody but uh, no uh, the only interesting part is it goes under a hotel at one point so uh, it, it's unusual in that respect but um, no it's not not a circuit that I would rave about um, those long straights are going to favour the Mercedes and uh, in free practice, as you just said, they were very close. There was uh, about a tenth between Lewis and Nico. Uh, Sebastian Vettel in Ferrari was uh, just a little bit slower. And then we got the two Red Bulls, Max Verstappen and Danny Ricciardo, your man, in uh, sixth place. Sorry, fifth place. So um, I think it's a, it's a power circuit, if you want to call it that, because of those long straights. So I think the Ferraris and the Red Bulls are going to be up against, uh, you know, they're not going to challenge the Mercedes barring any uh, mechanical problems. Now, what's this about Jensen saying it's his last race? Well, earlier this uh, season, I think September, he said he was going to take a sabbatical, but he was still retained and could be back in the cockpit of the McLaren in 2018 and he was going to be doing sort of an ambassadorial role for Honda, with whom he's been associated for many, many years, of course. Um, but now he's, he's, said he, he's thought about it in a cold light day, and all his family are in Abu Dhabi, his uh, mother and his sisters and his girlfriend. Um, I think he's, he's just come to the conclusion that really, this is his uh, 53rd, sorry, this is his... <laughs> 200th and 3rd, that's what I'm trying to think of. A uh, little, little bit of a difference. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, yeah, so he, he's done enough. He, he's been racing, this is his 17th season. And I think he's just decided he's had enough. I'm not saying you won't see him race somewhere. Um, someone was asking him about this yesterday, and uh, uh, they said he's going to Le Mans. And I said, well, it's a possibility, Le Mans, but he also wants to try Rallycross, which is a mixture of tarmac and mud. And in which his late father 
did very well in a Volkswagen, modified Volkswagen, obviously. But uh, no, John uh, Button did extremely well in Rallycross. I think Jensen just wants to see if he could crack it as well. So uh, he'll turn up somewhere, um, whether it's at Le Mans or whether it's in just isolated uh, World Endurance Championship races. I'm not so sure, but uh, uh, you haven't heard the last of Jensen. He, he enjoys the lifestyle. He obviously enjoys <laughs> what it. Describe the lifestyle to us, Jeff. <laughs> well, when I say enjoys the lifestyle, he, li- he likes the sort of the popularity he gets, but what he doesn't like is all the travelling. That's really why he's knocking Formula One on the head. I mean, 21 races... And you've got to be at the, the circuit like the Wednesday before the race on Sunday and then you leave again on Monday and it's just never ending and I think he's just had enough of that. Same with Mark Webber. He got fed up with travelling and uh, yeah, he's another Aussie, of course, and uh, he just he doesn't want to do it anymore, but he'll be retained by Porsche in a, in a similar ambassadorial role. But uh, he's done his last race in Bahrain last week and uh, Mark's going to... Yeah, have a, a reasonable retirement, and so is, is Jensen. Uh, Would you Philippe, say a well-earned retirement? Yeah. Felipe Massa, of course, that was his last race in Brazil last weekend, and this will be his last race. Uh, again, he'll probably turn up somewhere in Brazil racing, probably in Brazilian stock cars, which is quite popular there. I don't mean stock cars where they drive into each other. I mean touring cars on circuit, so... Um, I think you you just can't give it up. No matter how old you get, and I mean, I'm on to talk. I've, I've been trying to find a karting track somewhere in the Philippines because I want to go and give it another go in, in karts. But uh, they all seem to have closed at the moment, so I'm still looking. So you, you never give up. You never, ever stop wanting that that, that buzz of getting to the front. It's, uh, it's an exciting time, if you like. Uh, mate, uh, just want to talk about the, the top of the ladder at the moment. How many points separate Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton? Only 12. 12. Well, I mean, the permutations are endless. <laughs> if Lewis wins and Nico doesn't get on the podium, then Lewis is champion. I mean, look into your, your crystal ball, and I, I know you have one uh, at the ready. What are you seeing? What can you predict for us? If you were uh, a betting man... Lewis will win the race, but I think Nico will either get second or third, depending on where the Red Bulls get. Uh, and that's all he needs. If he comes third, Nico is going to be the uh, 2016 world champion. So, uh, you know, it's hard to predict. Anything can happen. They're, they're pretty sure the cars are going to be reliable. They've made sure that the uh, the teams, the team rather, is uh, sort of rooting for their guys. But the strange thing that's happened is they've moved five guys from Nico's side of the garage to Lewis's side of the garage and vice versa. Now, what that's for, I'm not sure. Are they trying to sort of even out any impartiality or are they trying to show that both teams get the best of each, uh, best car, the best mechanic? I don't understand. So what, they think maybe one mechanic won't won't change his tyre quite as fast (laughs) for Lewis because he's not very nice or something? What is it? strange thing to do on the last race of the season when it's all to play for to switch uh, guys around i don't know why they do that but uh, they just have, have a bit a of fun with it i suppose yeah. <laughs> uh did we talk about mclaren i mean what, what what's going on there well mclaren um in terms of uh, abu dhabi they're down in 11th and 12th place uh, jensen we've just talked about he's in 12th place so he won't be very happy about his uh, final formula one outing but uh, at uh, McLaren, Zach Brown has taken over from Ron Dennis. 
Now, a lot of you won't know who Zach Brown is, but he's a marketing guru. He's brought a lot of uh, brands into Formula One. He runs a company called JMI, uh, and there are one or two people in Hong Kong. I'm not going to name them, but work for JMI, so we've got a connection there. But Zach Brown, he's 45 years old, whereas Ron, Ron Dennis is 69. So he's got a bit of youth to him, if you like. He's an ex-racing driver. He's done GT racing. He, he did Formula 3 and Formula Ford. Now, Ron, as far as I'm aware, never raced. Um, as we've talked about before, I grew up with Ron Dennis. He went on to uh, build racing teams, and I went racing. And Ron's a multimillionaire, and I'm not. What happened to that, do you reckon? But, uh, now, Zach... Brown, I think, he's a breath of fresh air there. Uh, he'll come in with an open mind. He might bring new sponsors, and McLaren need a sponsor because they lost Vodafone a few years ago. Um, uh, they, they've lost quite a mobile. Exxon Mobil are moving to Red Bull from McLaren. So I think they probably need an injection of a, a title sponsor. And with Ron Dennis, he would never drop the rate card. He always wanted to, to stick to, we are a world champion team. This is our price for uh, putting your, your stickers on our car, and I'm not going to budge. But I think Zach Brown might be a bit more flexible because he's a marketing man. He knows who to talk to and how to go about it. So, yeah, I, th I think you'll see a different McLaren next year. Whether they can win races is another matter because that really depends on the Honda power unit and, we know that's not been really up to it this season or last season. It's getting better, but still not up there with the, uh, the Mercedes and the, uh, the Red Bull uh, Tag Heuer units. So I think Zach Brown's got a, a, a long winter ahead of him. So <laughs> this might be the last race, but I think Zach Brown's uh, troubles have just started. But uh, let's see where, where we go next year. It'll be good. Um, I'm... I'm I'm unhappy for Ron, but I'm sure he'll reappear somewhere as well. But I think uh, uh, that uh, Zach Brown will do a lot for McLaren, and uh, it's probably the right time for, for Ron to step down and Zach to take over. Mate, uh, before we wrap things up, I do want to ask, I mean, we're at the end of the season. What have you been your highlights this year uh, for, for Formula One? Well, we've had uh, 20 races so far. Nico's won nine, Lewis has won nine, but the other two have been won by Red Bull, and Danny, your man, won one of them. And uh, Max Verstappen, uh, 18 years old, coming into Formula One, everyone said he's too young, and he goes out and wins in Spain. All right, the Mercedes are taking each other out, but still, Max kept his head, and he, he drove a wonderful race. And again, last, uh, the last race in Brazil, where it was pouring with rain, Max just kept it all together and uh, finished on the podium. So, and you were a little bit you were a little bit doubtful, I, I believe, at the start of whether he had the the metal to to you know <laughs> make it in Formula One. I have been known to be wrong before, you know, Judd. Perish the thought. Perish when, the thought. When, when Kimi Raikkonen came into uh, Formula One, myself and the uh, revered three-time world champion Jackie Stewart said, no, he's not experienced enough. He's ever, only ever done 23 single-seater races. He has no place in Formula One. And look at him. He's still here. He he's uh, sixth in uh, free practice yesterday, 2007 world champion, won races in different, uh, for McLaren, for Lotus, uh, and, you know, 
he's still there. So I was wrong then, and I was wrong again about Max Verstappen. So if you've got it, you've got it. Sometimes, mate. <laughs> At least I'm honest. At least I can come out and say hey. I, I, I was wrong. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> do you have some birthdays for us? I do. I'll talk about uh, one, Robert Kubica, who. Uh, from Poland. I met him in Macau a few years back. Um, he was a very quick driver. He had a horrific accident in Montreal in 2007, and he was lucky to walk away from that. But he came back the next year, 2008, and won the race in Montreal. Sadly, in 2011, he'd gone rallying, and he had an accident uh, in a non-championship rally, which nearly severed his, his arm, his right arm. Um, it was all stitched back together, but he, he can't race Formula One because he hasn't got the strength in his arm and there's not enough uh, space in the cockpit, cockpit either. He did uh, try a private uh, LMP1 sports car in Bahrain a couple of weeks ago, or no, last week, um, but whether he'll return to the circuit racing, I'm not sure. But he's, uh, he's turning 32 next week, and I've saved the best one for last. Can't now, wait, mate. Can't wait. <laughs> if Nico wins the championship, which is looking feasible, it's looking likely, likely it will be a, a great birthday present for his dad, Keke, who turns 68 next week. So Keke Rosberg, 1982 world champion. He only won one race that year at Dijon in France. It was the Swiss Grand Prix, but it was in France. And Keke won one race. Nico's won nine, so it'll be a worthy way out for Nico to win the title and a happy birthday present to Keke next week. Mate, thanks so much. And thanks so much for, for joining us during the year. Um, yeah, well, you, a couple, just a time. Times, uh, first. Yeah. Qualifying nine o'clock tonight, our time. Race tomorrow, nine o'clock our time. And I'll be back at the end of next month to tell you about the Dakar Rally this year. Are we still in... I mean, are we ever going back to actual Dakar or are we still doing Argentina? No, we're still doing Argentina, but also this year we're going into Paraguay. So I'll tell you more about that. But no, we're not going to back to uh, Dakar as such because the the pirates, the the, uh, local terrorists, they try to kidnap the drivers and hold them for ransom. So we're not going to uh, Africa anymore. So we're in uh, South America. Uh, Give it a couple more years. We'll be back, I'm sure. (laughs) All right, Jeff, good talking to you, and I'll, uh, I will talk to you again at the end of December. Thanks so much, Jeff Hesselwood. there. We're going to head off to a song. Got the news coming up. Here's some passenger. Actually, Alan requested this one. Give us a call, 233-88266. I don't think we had the one that Alan wanted, but here's some passenger. Same band. Eh, what are you going to do? burning low only miss the sun when it starts to snow only know you love her when you let her go only know you've been high when you're feeling low only hate the road when you're missing home only know you love her when you let her go and you let her go Very 
the bottom of your glass Hoping one day you'll make a dream last But dreams come slow and they go so fast You see it when you close your eyes Maybe one day you'll understand why Everything you touch surely dies But you only need the light when it's burning low Only miss the sun when it starts to snow Only know you love her when you let her go Only know you've been high when you're feeling low Only hate the road when you're missing home Only know you love her when you let her go Staring at the ceiling in the dark Same old empty feeling in your heart Cause love comes slow and it goes so fast Will you see you when you fall asleep But never to touch and never to keep Cause you loved her too much and you dive too deep Will you only need the light when it's burning low Only miss the sun when it starts to snow Only know you love her when you let her go
come on, but baby, you're tender. Bridges, Better Man. It's the juice on Radio 3, 19 degrees at the minute, 90% relative humidity. News coming up next. Supreme Court has upheld the decision of two lower courts rejecting his request. The news from RTHK. The free quality kindergarten education scheme will start in the 2017-18 school year, and the registration certificate for kindergarten admission will be used as the registration document. Parents of children born on or before December 31, 2014, who will attend K-1 in kindergarten in the 2017-18 school year, should submit applications from September to November. Application forms are available at district offices, post offices, and the Education Bureau. Please visit www.edb.gov.hk or call 28910088 for details.
Spandau Ballet there with gold. As mentioned before, it's a little bit cloudy out there, maybe a few rain patches later in the day. 19 degrees at the minute, 89% relative humidity. You're listening to The Juice on Radio 3, and you're now listening to Calvin Harris. Why wait to say, at least I did in my way. Lie way too fast, but in my heart I understand. I made my move, and it was all about you. No, I feel so far removed You are the one thing in my way 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 You are the one thing in my way
Kissing It Better here on Radio 3. Hope you're having a good morning. You've still got crews coming in. Traffic is a bit of a uh, problem this morning, but that's okay. Hey, it's live radio. What are you going to do? Here's some Sean Mendez with Mercy. But I fall when I'm around you Show me an open door And you go and slam it on me I can't take any more I'm saying, baby, please have mercy on me To be near you, baby Heart open, testify Tell me that I'm not crazy I'm not asking for a lot Just that you're honest with me And my pride is all I got I'm saying, baby, please have mercy on me my lungs, ripping all the skin from off my bones. I'm prepared to sacrifice my life. I would gladly do it twice.
Go robot. Red hot chili peppers. I was just saying to Cruz Ann McCalligan, who's joined me in the studio. Hello. That my now, uvula sorry. is a little bit swollen. Yep. And I was about to ask him what that was. It's the re- it's that little red da- dangly flap. Oh, in the back of your throat. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I think it was because the, the the places that I was hanging around last night, a lot of smokers. Maybe that yeah. it, it aggravated. Disgusting. It does. You have to do that thing. You have to go. <coughs> I used to be a smoker, and now I do that to other smokers. And now your uvula is... And now my uvula is incredibly healthy. Incredibly healthy. Yes. Um, so I'm hoping mine uh, goes down, decreases Heels. in size. Yeah. Doesn't look likely. However, how are you? I'm good. I noticed that you played a little bit of Spandau Ballet. I did. I have a story about that, actually. Mm. I, have, I have a Spandau Ballet story. That's, well, that sounds nice. Anyway, so getting to the call. <laughs> Please tell us well, your stand no, up, in, in the interests of Clock and Flap, which is obviously this weekend, I right? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you don't. Um, but about like live music and things like that. So I always hated that song, Gold, right? By Spender. I always hated it. I thought it was terrible. Just, was it because it was overplayed or no, you like, genuinely just, hated it? I just didn't like it. I was like, why did It's like that Kate Bush song, Wuthering Heights, that some people just go crazy for. You don't like that song either? No, I no, don't. I, I do like that song. Do you really? I like both of those See, songs this is a lot. Very anyway, interesting. You're, well, you're very... She wrote it when she was like 14. Give her a break. Okay. Well, that's right. You're very open-minded about music. That's a good thing, Judd. Mm-hmm. But no, but that Spandau Ballet song, and I always hated it, and I was like, I don't get this song. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. Like, who wrote the song? But then I was at the Gibraltar Music Festival mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and Tony Hadley came to the festival, and he, we were like, I was like, that's the only song of his that I knew. That's the only kind of like, well, other than like True or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. The only song. I was like, okay. So then I'm watching this guy, and... I have so much respect for him. Consummate professional. Yeah, he was no spring chicken, and he got up and sung that song with, like, a lot of heart and a lot of gumption. And he didn't have to. He's done it so many times. He could have phoned it in. (laughs) Exactly. No, and ever since that, I've, like, I've got this renewed appreciation for the song. Because I was like, wow, this man is actually very, very good at what he does. He was a fantastic performer. And I was like, I'm really into this. So I was happy when you played that song today. All right, so if we're talking uh, uh, music acts, I, I mentioned last night I saw the uh, just immortal, well, not really immortal. I mean, he's probably going to, you know, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Even with modern medicine, the amount of narcotics and stuff he's ingested. Um, George Clinton, leader, you know, band leader of Parliament and Funkadelic. And, Amazing. Uh, their songs generally, think of a, a rude word and then replace it with funk instead. So, like, gonna funk you up or... I'm ready to funk you, or let's funkifies, you know. Okay, cool, I get, get it. The, yeah, yeah, you get, get that. It. it was a different time, Cruz. It was a different time. It, it was the 70s. It was a more PG time, in it seems. Very much so. Yeah. Cruz, oh, no, but we're good. not talking about either of those things. No, we're not. We're not. Can you imagine if you did a, an audio column just on Tony Hadley? <laughs> The challenge accepted, John Boas. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Chris? Um, we're talking about names. Mm, now, names. just names. right off the bat, how did you get your name, Cruz? How, how did you get... Oh, no, I'm going to put that question back. No, 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 no. I'm no, sorry. No, no. Whose show is it? Whose show is it? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Go on then. Pull, pull rank. Um, what name? McAllister or Cruzanne? It surprised me. Okay. Well, Cruzanne is um, my parents gave to me. Quite, it's a theme for a lot of people. It is. Um, Cruz, the first part of my name, is from my mother's maiden name. She was Cruz before she got married. And then um, my father's na- my father's name is Alexander. And my mum always called him Zan. And on their wedding ring it said Cruz Zan. And they played about with the spelling of it and felt inspired. And that's how I got my name. You see, that, that's a really lovely, heartfelt naming thing. 
They surely can't have done that for every child they had. You were <laughs> the first one. I think you run out of momentum, you run, right? And the next one, oh, Steve, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> She's a beautiful baby girl. Steve will do. Um, how did you get your name, Judge? I have no idea. Really? Your parents uh, haven't told you? Oh, we like no, the name Judge because they just picked some... it out of a book or something. I've looked at my family tree. There are no Judds. Oh, wow. Or maybe haven't, there haven't were. Haven't you asked them? Or maybe there were. Maybe I... Nah, no, that didn't seem like that, that big a deal. Oh, well. Well, um, we're talking about names today. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I, as you know, changed my last name. To you did. Callaghan. Very recently. Name mesh between my me and my husband's names. He was Mulligan. I'm McAllister. We became McCalligan. Do you, Is it okay? Is it okay if we talk about what happened at Immigration Tower? Oh, yeah, we can. All right. So, <laughs> so I mean, is, I think it's, it's a very nice thing to do. Um, but the amount of bureaucracy you must have to go through to get your name changed to this new name that didn't exist before, it must be breathtaking. Yes, it is actually. That is correct, Judd. It is a breathtakingly bureaucratic, incredibly boring process. Mm. And I'm not someone who enjoys paperwork or um, is very detail-orientated. And you need those things when dealing with government forms and departments. Um, but, yeah, no, I went. Um, we went to Immigration Tower to change our, you know, we had to submit all our documentation. And we have a deed poll, which is like a document that's drawn up by a notary saying, I shall now be called this from henceforth. Kind and of you thing. get a town crier to announce yeah, so it. It's in the village square. <laughs> exactly. Actually, that job's still open, so if you'd like it, you know, I'll consider please. It. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, my, no, my uvula's far too swollen for that. <laughs> can't, get, can't hit those highs. Yeah, but um, no, we went, to, we went to Immigration Tower, and um, there was, you know, Hong Kong civil servants are very loyal, hardworking people. Um, and they, they vary by the book, and um, they were... You know, they didn't make eye contact with us while they were going through all their Ruthless efficiency. That's the one. Um, and we were at the first step. So before we had to go and, like, get fingerprints and photos done and all that sort of stuff, we had the immigration officer who actually had to approve, like, right, okay, cool, off you go, going through our, all our initial forms and things. Um, and he was very, you know, very methodical, didn't really say much. And then just as we were like, okay, right, now you're going to have to go to counter number 30, blah, 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 blah. And then he, we're like, thanks so much, thanks so much. He um, pushes the papers across the the counter towards us and then um he says he just kind of breaks out of his immigration officer character and leans into the glass and says to us um i just want to say i think this is really lovely <laughs> and it was the nicest thing it was so heartwarming and uplifting he broke, he broke the fourth wall he for you broke the fourth wall to tell us that he liked what we were he thought it was lovely he used the word lovely. anyway it was very kind and flattering so we're talking about names but reason we're not talking about names because of my name we're talking about names because in um i'm of that age judd where all of my friends have had children recently like a lot of them and as a result of that you're always kind of like what are they going to call it right like you're always like it's fascinating and the thing is that like you should never ever tell someone what you want to call your babies before you have the baby because everyone has an opinion right i know i'm super guilty of this people are like yeah no we're thinking about you know reginald i'm like hmm oh hmm yeah hmm, nothing hmm. wrong with a reggie yeah yeah well this is the thing people have a lot of opinions about first names mm-hmm. right have you ever had anyone have you ever been mocked for your name uh, I'm sure people think it's weird. No, I think it's a cool name. I think you have a, a really cool uh, name. Two monosyllabic. Monosyllab- I can't can't do it. Monosyllabic. Monosyllabic. No, uh, I think you have a fantastic name, Judd. Um, but this is the thing: we have a response to our names, Judd. When I'm talking to you, Judd, and if I was to say Judd, <laughs> we actually have a very visceral response to what we're called. It has a lot to do with. And- Honestly, because it's so uncommon for me, but maybe it's 
uh, maybe you become numb to it if you're a, a John or a or a Rachel or a Jane or something. Where in in films, uh, when I hear someone get called Judd, it 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 feels like they're talking to me because no one else is called Judd. I'm the only Judd on this planet. Yeah, so when yeah. when I see it in films, but yeah, do you ever are there any cruises you see on TV or something? So when you see it, you're like, Ooh, yeah, Victoria ooh. Beckham's son. Is it is yeah. it visceral for you when it's they talk visceral, about cruises new haircut? Or whatever? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, obviously, cruise is Spanish for cross, and so for many Catholic countries, a lot of people are de la cruz, 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 cruz. cruz. A lot of, uh, so I lot, hear that a lot. You're yeah. worshipped in a lot of Catholic countries. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, no, but we have a very visceral reaction to our name. So it's it's. It, I wanted to talk a bit about because it's so, so like, tied to our sense of identity, isn't it? It is, and actually, there's a reason for this. Um, they say it's actually when someone refers to us by our name. Um, they actually are. I have something on this. I have something on this. Um, it actually is directly related to our sense of um, self-awareness. So it actually triggers that part of our brain that makes us aware of who we are and things like that. So there's. Um, they've also said that, like, for example, if you... Um, like. Do you have a problem with remembering other people's names? No, I'm pretty good at that. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm terrible. I would say I'm... That's a, that's a, that's a classic Caitlin blunder. What? Oh, 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 oh. I got it. I got it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I have this problem because I'm. I, I would refer to myself as a super recognizer. I'm extremely good with faces. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? No, 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 it's a thing. People are really good with recognizing. I, I, I should apply for a job with like the FBI. I'm How, incredibly good. When, at you, it. when you say super recognizer, do you mean oh I know them from somewhere, or you know exactly where you met them? Exactly where I've mm. met them. Exactly when I met them. Spooky. Exactly how long ago? Like for example, I used to work at a supermarket when I was a student at the checkout. So obviously I saw like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people a day and. And the problem was I lived in Wellington, New Zealand, which is quite a small place. And I would walk past people in the street and go, oh, hey. And they'd look at me completely blank because, of course, I thought I knew them because I recognized them from serving them at the Uh, supermarket. Like this happens all the time. But I'm very, very bad with names. And there's a name ability and there's a name for that inability. It's called anomia. When you can't remember people's names, it's called anomia. But the thing is that it's not that easy to remember names because new names enter our working memory, which is actually designed to hold very few facts at a time. It's kind of our short-term mem- memory. So, for example, if you have a few names tossed around in conversation, um, they, they kind of pour out and make room for new um, new information in your working memory pretty quickly so um the minute that uh they they get displaced very very quickly it's, it's not so it's quite common to not be able to remember people's names but the thing is um when you hear names are really important and how you refer to people is really important like i recognize sometimes that because i have a name like cruzanne i think people sometimes find it um difficult to either remember it obviously or they, they they're worried they'll which I've had the same issue before. You're worried you're going to mispronounce it. So I'll have whole conversations with people over periods of months, like clients or people I know, and they'll never actually say my name to me. They'll never say, good to see you, Cruzanne, or hey, Judd, how's it going? They'll just say, hi, how are you? Like, I just, hey, I notice the absence you. of my, yeah, exactly. You know, just the, like, absence of your name. But it's really important to tell people their names. It, it gives us a really warm, cosy feeling. Uh, funny story. My first ever radio job or like uh, it wasn't even a job; it was just like an intern or whatever. And uh, it was in Alice Springs, Australia, Sun FM ninety six point nine. And and I and I called him on the phone. We were talking on the phone. Yeah, can you get here at you know five a.m. and we'll, we'll do the yeah. show? And I said, I'm okay. My name's Judd. And he thought I said Bud. <gasps> and so when we went on air, he started calling me Bud. The whole and I couldn't oh, stop him because no. I didn't want to embarrass him. Yeah, like, oh, my name's yeah. actually. And so for the first like week or something, he just called me Bud. And then when I finally told him, he says, "Nope, we're going with that. Your name, your nickname is Bud from now on." <laughs> 
so yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, see, but this is the thing. When when you hear your name spoken respectfully, if I said, hey, Judd, how are you doing, right? Mm. In a nice, upbeat way, it actually spikes the area of the brain that is connected to personal self-awareness and well-being. Um, researchers applied PET scans to look at the activity in the brain whenever people hear their first name spoken. And they observed a strong cerebral flow change in the brain's right superior temporal sulcus, which sounds a bit frustrating. But basically, an even stronger change of flow was observed in the medial prefrontal cortex. But this, um, this, these parts of the brain uh, have a huge role in our person's processing of self and self-awareness and that's really important for feeling comfortable and relaxed and accepting and confident all those other things and even on a non-neuroscientific level when we'll just say you have an acquaintance and you don't really know them but you've met them once or twice and you see them again and they remember who you are they remember your name yeah. it's a good feeling like, oh yeah oh, they remember really my name oh, yeah. i agree with you hmm. now wc fields said um it ain't what they call you it's what you answer to which is also quite i think that's quite a fun way of looking at it but there's lots of different um sort of uh conventions around naming and first names um and apparently these can have what i was really interested in this is they can have a really big impact on your life what you're called can really impact your life oh of course yeah yeah and also they can cause some like amazing um uh, like court cases because it can be really popular to call your kids weird things right Okay, Absolutely, yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so see, here are some of the things that um, what you name your child can affect. Um, what you name your child can betray your political stance. So um, they find, and this is particularly true for the US, so Democrats and Republicans don't own, or only just butt heads on, like, obviously social and economic issues. Um, but analyzing data from the Federal Election Commission, researchers found that baby name picks reveal political leanings of parents. So, for um, Jonah and Natasha, for instance, are names that are very popular with Democrats. Whereas Dwayne and Brittany are very popular with Republicans. Mm. It's quite interesting. Um, also, they say that kids need a middle name to succeed. Do you have a middle name? I do. What is it? William. Really? Yeah, that is a family name yeah. uh, from John William Lomax Boas back in the day. Hey, what a name. Um, cool. What about yourself, Cruz? My middle name is Isla. Do you like it? I like it a lot. Mm. Yeah. Although I wanted to name my future child Isla, and then we'll get to it later, but apparently it's the to- like one of the top oh, girls' names this year. They sold out. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's the thing. But honestly, my middle name is William. I think about that maybe once every four years. Really? When you have to fill out a form? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't... It, like, you know, yeah. they say you need it to succeed. I don't... Like, what, well, I've is, never used it well, in... This is, well, this is interesting. So they say that... Um, they, they say it doesn't matter what the middle name is, as long as he has one. There was a study done that found that people using a middle initial are held in higher esteem. Um, and apparently that's... Um, doctors and lawyers typically sign forms and correspondences, including their middle initial. So... Like that buddy W.C. Field? Exactly, like that guy. Um, But they also say, um, this is, I mean, they say if you want a maths or a science whiz as a child, try to avoid girly names. I say that through gritted teeth. If you're hoping that your daughter will be brilliant in maths or science, try to avoid gracing her with a feminine name like Anna or Elizabeth, and try to instead adopt for an androgynous alternative like Jordan or Harley. This was, of course, written in the 18th century, yeah. what you're reading. At well, the apparently this was according to research at um, a Northwestern University, comparing uh, sisters' names and careers paths, so, that you know, within a group of sisters and then, yeah, which, I mean, I'm not going to agree with, call your child whatever you'd like to call them, except for the list of things I'm going to get to Later, which you do not call them. <laughs> um, 
we're going to break for a song, if yeah, that's sure. all right. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, just one final thing is uh, I read in uh, the book Freakonomics, which is uh, written by economist Stephen J. Levitt. Um, he talks about how there's a flow-on effect of names mm-hmm. from successful people. So if one generation is really successful, and uh, and you see it nowadays, just say in the 50s, all, you know, upper upper class people uh, called their, their children, you know, uh, Rachel and Sarah and Jane. The next generation of lower class people would see these famous people in the media and then start naming their kids after the, the previous generation, if that makes sense. Yep. So, you know, they like whoever you idolize in the media or whatever, that's what you name your kids. Yep. Why, that's why there's a lot of Harry Potters running around these days. <laughs> well, they say that. It's called n- noble names. There's a phenomenon for that. They say that posh names, posh names still give you an edge in those ways. So if you mm. have an elite Norman surname like Percy, Darcy, Mandeville, Montgomery, Neville, you're more likely to be wealthy. You're more likely to go to Knoxbridge uh, University. You're more likely to be a doctor or a lawyer. But... As I said, the posh names changes every generation because, you know, the people upper class people, they don't want to name their kids something that everyone else has been named. They want to look into literature and name a Diana or something, you know, yeah. Artemis or something something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And on that one note, before we go to a song, mm-hmm. um, there is it's the knock-on effect is super fascinating. For example, in 1896, Josephine was the 937th most popular name for a boy in the US huh. in 1896. In 1963... In England and Wales, in the one year, there were 5,529 baby boys named Nigel in 1963 that were born that year. In 2014, only 10. Exactly, right? It's really interesting, yeah. It's very trend Very trend-based, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's head to a song, finally. (laughs) Finally, after a solid solid 18-minute hack of it. (laughs) Here is the Ting Tings.
name-based song. A name-based song. Ting Tings, the Ting Tings. That's not my name. Yes. We and we just before before we go, uh, we do apologise for any uh, men with girly names or girls with girly names. You too can succeed in science and maths if you so choose. Yeah, you can. But let's be honest now. <clears throat> well, no. I, I my my key takeaway from today is to tell people their names and speak to people. Tell remember people's names. Repeat names back to people with respect because it's a really important thing to do. It's a very positive thing mm-hmm. when you do that. It's very nice. I like it. Okay. Other facts about names. Um, in June 1996, a Swedish woman won a nine-year battle to call her son Christoffer rather than Christopher or Christopher. So it, basically, she was battling to call her son Christopher, but it was spelled Chris, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-P-H-E-R. Took her nine years. I don't know why that would have been that offensive. You know, like it's, it's just like here's the thing: if you're a child, you don't get, you never get to choose your name, right? Well, no, but you so, could change it one day. And and as we've we've detailed in this audio column thus far, it affects you for your entire. It's your, it's yeah. tied to yeah. your sense of who you are. If you're a Bruce, you are a Bruce. Yeah. Um. So you know, it can be a bit rough if you name them something like uh, famous pop star Gwen Stefani named her, her child Apple. Yeah. Didn't she? Like, no, that was Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Gwyneth Stefani named it like Mercy, Mercy Fedora or something. Oh, really? Mercy Fedora. Something cra- <laughs> but these celebrities, because they, yeah. they want to be, you know, they want them to have a succeed yeah. in but life. You have to and, think about it, right? And name them something yeah. really wacky Isn't so they Frank, stand Frank out. Frank Zappa's daughter called Moon Unit. Moon Unit? Yeah, Moon Unit. Uh, yeah. And Bob Gold, Bob Geldof's oh, daughter yeah. is Pixie or something. Peaches. Peaches and Pixie. Pe- come yeah. on, get yeah. it to the other Bob. His name's Bob. Come on, that's a strong name. <laughs> Well, this is the thing. It's, it's really interesting um, what you're allowed to name your children or not. So um, in Norway, to change your surname to one that 200 or fewer people have. So if you wanted to change your name to Christopher Fafur, you mm-hmm. have to ask permission from everyone who has that name. If it's less than 200 people, you have to be like, do you mind if I, sorry, do you mind if I call myself? It's like if, if there wasn't that many Cruzans in Hong Kong, of which I'm pretty sure there probably aren't, there probably aren't that many Judds either, but maybe there'd be 200 of them and you wanted, someone wanted to change their name to Judd, they'd have to come and ask you personally if you were in Norway. Um, the other thing um, that is interesting about uh, different names um, that you're allowed to call children or not, Icelandic names must be chosen from a um, register of 17, about 1,700 male and 1,800 female approved names. You have to choose a name from an approved register. I didn't think that happened. Iceland, you said? In Iceland, yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Well, is, is this because uh, the alphabet only has like six letters or whatever? So. <laughs> Maybe. Cigaros. Maybe that's what it is. But um, there's lots of different things that people have called their names. But well, in terms of unique names, mm-hmm. if you're looking for original names, um, that's um, there's a, it seems to be the trend. Like I think everyone, well, not everyone, a lot of people today, including myself, would like to call their future children something somewhat unique, right? You'd kind of like it. Um, I think it's a trend today to do that rather than to go with a really, really popular name. Um, in a study analysing the names of more than 325 million babies born between 1880 and 2007, researchers found parents are steering clear of common names. Um, in 1955, one third of boys had one of the top ten popular names, which is quite that you'd know a lot of Tom, Dick and Harry's, right? And then, but also, to be fair, 
Um, a lot of them could be, you know, Muhammad or something. Or... Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's exactly true. And then, um, a, but this percentage has dwindled to one in ten by 2007. Mm. Um, for girls, one in four had a popular name in 1955, and in 2007, it was only one in twelve. So it's kind of like it's quite interesting how it's sort of changing a lot as well. Um, unfortunately, they talk about things like employability, which is a horrible thing to think about with names. Um, in a study titled "Are Emily and Greg More Employable Than Lakeisha and Jamal?" Researchers at the National Bureau of Economic Research sent out nearly 5,000 resumes in response to job ads. Job applications with traditionally white names needed to send out 10 resumes on average to get one callback. Meanwhile, applications with African-American names or other um, eth- eth- oh, ethnic names had it harder and needed to send out 15 for the same response rate, which I think is terrible. And I think this is a problem. And I've experienced this because when I was um, when I was unemployed, I got more jobs as cruise, job officers, Cruise McAllister, when people thought I was a man, than as Cruzanne McAllister when they thought I was a lady, which I when they thought I was a lady, I am a lady. You are but the point lady. is, I was still qualified for the same jobs. Um, In, I mean, it is... A lot of pressure, but sometimes it's good that we're born and our, our parents take that bullet for us of just, look, that's your name. Yeah. Good on you. Um, <laughs> because uh, a lot of Chinese people, uh, my mother, for, for instance, got to choose her name. Oh, of course, yeah. And because I have friends in Hong Kong who've changed their names. That, well, no, they're English names, not their Chinese names. Like They've chosen yeah, different English names. They yeah. can choose, and I think that's a tremendous amount of pressure to put yeah, on yourself at yeah. you know age 20 or whatever. I mean, yeah. the, the mind boggles. Yeah. But then also I've heard people say that, yeah, no, I, I tried a few out. I tried one out for like a year or two and then... I tried, just no, tried they, it but on. Like, just, well, then it's fair enough, What's right? What's the return because, policy on names? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you could do anything, really. But things that some people have called their children, they, they were not allowed to. Um, a couple of years ago, a French couple tried to name their daughter Nutella because they wanted her to emulate the sweetness and popularity of the chocolate spread. Mm. Um, so but- w- w- why... Is it like a copyright thing? They're not allowed to. No, no, no. Uh, a ju- a French, just well, this it depends on each country. No, the judge says he couldn't. Um, they couldn't do it, and insisted that the name was changed to something like Ella because they said it would be a source of mockery and disobliging remarks. So they had to change it to Ella. No kidding. Yep, that's the truth. <laughs> they, they, yeah. Um, they in, needed a judge to tell them that, that it would a be a source tell, of well, mockery. Well, it gets worse. I have a, I have a good one coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this one in um, in in Japanese. Um, the word Akuma means devil. Mm-hmm. Someone tried to name their baby Akuma, um, and the prime minister, his, his cabinet himself, said it is not appropriate to inst- um, to 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 um, to not to call your child devil, but that also we shouldn't really be getting involved. So let's just make the name devil illegal. So, yeah. We shouldn't be getting involved. So, so let's, let's, just, yeah. let's make it illegal. I guess, I don't that know. Buddy Shinzo Abe, he's always up to something, isn't he? Yeah, uh, it's bizarre. But um, there was some people in uh, Sonora, Mexico, um, who uh, tried to call their child Robocop. <laughs> in fact, they succeeded. Apparently, no one challenged that one. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, in Portugal, uh, there are 80 pages of a legal document listing name, um, legal, like listing names which are legal and which are not. Nirvana is among the more than 2,000 names that are banned. Nirvana. I don't know. I wonder if that was terribly offensive. Not a great name, but not like an offensive one. Um, they said uh, there was someone in, in um, Italy who tried to call their child Venerdi, as in Friday in Italian, and they had to reject that because it was likely to limit social interaction and create insecurity for the child. It worked out well for Wednesday Adams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, did it? She's mm. got some issues, that one. Um, <laughs> 
there was also interesting things, like, for example, a, um, a baby girl from Sweden was baptised under the name Metallica, um, but tax officials eventually deemed it inappropriate. Um, there was, so, that is so metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the New Zealand has a really high instance of really weird names. Um, the New Zealand government thankfully stepped in before a poor child had to spend the rest of their, um, their life with the name Sex Fruit. Mm. Um, which was I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, that's, that's um, your neck of the woods. I actually, I actually have a friend who, when she was born, her parents were kind of cool hippies. Um, but when she was born, they didn't know what to call her, so they named her after a yacht that won that day. So she was actually named at birth KZ Seven. Ooh. And her grandma got so angry, she marched down to the registry office and changed her name to Emily. Good on her. Good yeah. on her. KZ7. Um, can KZ7. you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> but the worst one in New Zealand, which is quite famous, is actually um, the, the poor wee girl who... They, they call it, actually... They, they call this a case of abuse. Um, she, was, she, was, um, she was named at birth Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. That is her full first name. Um, and she wouldn't tell anybody at school her name. Nobody knew that her was her name. Her friends just call her Lou. <laughs> no, well, she told everyone at school her name was K, as in the letter K. She was so embarrassed at like nine years old to tell them. Because you're like, oh, couldn't you just shorten it to Tallulah? You can't. Her actual name is Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. Um, but they stepped in and they took guardianship and they let her change her name. But they haven't said what to because obviously they're protecting her identity. Um, which, of course, if you knew that her identity was, you know, it's just, she's the only person in the world called Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. Um, but yeah, it's it's awful. But then they have um, different things that they say, like for example, in um, uh, in Denmark, it's another country that requires people to choose baby names from a pre-approved list. Um, what is with that? I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, parents need permission from the government to choose um, outside the list of seven thousand names, and each year, approximately two hundred and fifty are rejected. Um, lately, the additions to that were monkey and Pluto. You couldn't call your children either of those things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, guess, I don't know. It's, it's like a lot of. Bureaucracy. There's a lot of bureaucracy. But then I guess it kind of makes sense, right? If we talk about like all the impacts that our name has on different parts of our, our lives, about whether it gives us job discrimination, if we get into good universities and everything else, I just think we need to kind of work on. But this is why I think it's really important to say people's names. And also, as someone who has had my name mispronounced many, many times, mm -hmm. someone once called me Medusa. And I think it was because they knew in their head that it wasn't like my name was kind of a little bit different. But, but that was what they reached. To be fair, you did petrify them into stone. So. <laughs> to be fair, I was wearing a lot of snakes on a hat. Um, Bloody Perseus. Yeah, so. um, do we have quotes? I do. I thought I did. Maybe I don't have any more. I don't have any more. Thanks so much for the them. column. You're welcome. Have a lovely weekend, Chris. Cruise. Yeah, there you go. Cries. 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 Jude. Jude. Jed. Jed. Jode. That's what Jode. I get a lot. Jode. Jode. Yeah, Jode but see, you, you should, like, when you can't say someone's name properly, ask them, you know? I certainly will. Will you? This young lady, I can say her name properly. It's Tina Turner. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's a good name. Look at the news coming up. Thanks, Cruz. No problem. You must understand the touch of my folks react That it's only the thrill of boy meeting girl opposites attract It's physical Only logical You must try to ignore that it 
Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Your weather forecast for today, cloudy with occasional rain, becoming cool appreciably. Temperatures in the urban areas will fall gradually to around 14 degrees tonight, mate. You might want to rug up a few degrees lower in the new territories. Cool tomorrow morning and bright during the day as well. 18 degrees at the moment, 87% relative humidity. Danny Hicks in the studio for sport. He's coming up after the news. Stick around. Vision of Arson. The news from RTHK. Wait for housing. Wait for elderly care homes. Wait for new hospitals. It's hard to find land. Wait for outpatient consultations. Wait for medical examinations. Wait for surgical operations. There's a shortage of healthcare manpower. Wait for? What more do we have to wait for? Let's rise to the challenge and improve people's livelihood. The government is now collecting views for the coming policy address and budget. Please tell us your opinions. Visit policyaddress.gov.hk or call 2810-3768.
see for miles but the who and who's in the studio it's danny hicks danny how's it going who are you <laughs> who are you who are you uh mate lots of stuff happening this week as yeah, always but, um, uh where do, where do you want to jump off well happy news sad news there's well yeah there's it, it, it's been a bit of a week for sports news hasn't it i mean we've had we've had mint gate in cricket lollygate or whatever you want to call it and it, well any scandal gets gate slapped on the end yeah, of move over Richard about, Nixon, uh, Faf du Plessis, the South African captain, being charged with um, sucking a mint and using the uh, sugary deposit, shall we say, to shine the cricket ball uh, in contravention of the rules. It now turned out yesterday that he's appealing against the decision and uh, he obviously feels he's been held up as a bit of a scapegoat because everyone does it. Let's let's make no bones about it. Uh, Virat Kohli, the Indian captain, last test was spotted with a tic-tac or some sort of small mint in his mouth and then chewing shy, gum or something, then yeah. spitting on his fingers and rubbing the ball. The, the players are drinking Gatorade, sugary drinks around the boundary all the time. They're chewing gum. Um, let's face it, uh, go back a few years and you never saw Ricky Ponting without a piece of gum in his mouth. He's always chewing away and he was shining the ball as well so you know it's a it's a gray area in in cricket um you're not allowed to apply artificial substance onto the ball to shine it as you're not in baseball or any other sports and that includes you know sort of i don't know hair gel lip balm i mean we, we suntan cream there, there, there there's a limit here Zinc. where yeah it's something you're already, you're already chewing chewing gum or sucking them in whereas you know if you if you bite the ball like we've seen it's a little bit different. Yeah, and do you think it's any coincidence that bowlers go out? They never used to, but they seem to go out covered in face paint these days and zinc, zinc cream, cream and and suntan cream and factor fifty and hair gel and you know there's even such products I, I believe as beard oil now. I mean, what's to stop you? You know, oh, rubbing your chin. Oh, that was a close one. And then you got beard oil on your beard and you shine up the ball a little and you bit. Shine it and you use it to uh, put a bit of a buff on the ball, shall we say? Um, yeah, I think the ICC have got to clarify what is and isn't legal. Um, I think Faf is quite right in saying that everybody does it. However, 
does that does mean, that mean you shouldn't, right? yeah, yeah does that mean because you're the one who's been caught you shouldn't hold your hand up and say okay fair enough look i got caught i'll take my punishment which is a a suspension uh, a fine and not a suspension and he's allowed to play in this game I, I think the problem is if he goes to appeal as we've seen happening he could end the up with a, could out be, with a ban mm. um if he's if the appeal isn't up and i don't see on what grounds they they will appeal i mean he's the rules are there. He's broken the rules. Take your punishment. Yes, the rules maybe are not being applied uh, fairly. Maybe they're not being applied across across the board. I mean, but that's a different matter. You were found guilty of doing something. Just because other people weren't, it doesn't mean you're 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 innocent. Um, I do. So want, I, don't I see mean, where he's going with but this. just to clarify, I mean, are you allowed to use just? Just, you know, regular old garden variety saliva? Yes. You are allowed to use any... Now, this <laughs> is fluid. If you're squeamish, uh, turn the radio <laughs> down now. Any bodily fluid or secretion... That you can produce uh, That is produced naturally from your body could be used to shine the ball. Now, several of those, I think, you know, you wouldn't want anybody going... It's just not Nobody cricket. would yeah. go near the ball afterwards. Um, but basically, we're talking about sweat and saliva. So you can... If it's natural sweat, you can, on your hands or on, on your forehead, you could wipe the sweat off your forehead and you can wipe so, it on the ball. And we, I used to play cricket and we all used to. So um, what, what I'm I never, saying is... No, I never dreamt of the fact that uh, because I might... In those days, I did have hair when I played cricket and I was a bowler, um, that I might have something on my hair like uh, gel or, or, or brill cream or whatever. That would, But... Go back to the 1950s. I mean, Fred Truman used to advertise... The demon fast bowler for England, dear old Fred, used to advertise brill cream. I mean, he's a brill cream boy, and he used to have... He used to have shed loads of it in his hair. And you're telling me he never used to run his fingers through his hair and apply a bit of brill cream to the ball? Of course not. Um, so... Well, what I'm asking is, yeah. as, as it's, you know, it is allowed to use <clears> fluids, can, it, maybe his argument might, might be, oh, I forget, I forgot I was chewing gum or whatever. No, I, I don't and, think that's... An, and... If this is my first offence, maybe let, let me off with it's this one. It's not his one. first offence, though, is it? He got done for ball tampering for rubbing a ball on his zip in 2013 Ooh. on the zip of his pants um, uh, to scuff up one side of it, which he pled guilty to. Which seems time. a lot worse than yeah, a bit of gum. Yeah, uh, in these days of reverse swing and stuff. But, um, no, he, if you look at the video, he deliberately put his fingers on the, the lolly, as they call it in Australia, or the, the mint. He, he said it was a mint. I think it looks like a bit of a tree ball's extra strong mint. Big, white, round mint. He put his fingers on it in his mouth oh, okay. uh, to get the sugary stuff on them and then rubbed it on the ball. So he knew what he was doing. It wasn't like he forgot he had a mint in his mouth. But he makes the point, and I think this is where he has got a point, that players have got something sugary in their mouth all the time. Uh, they're, they're, drinks breaks are not... Drinks come on virtually between every over if you watch cricket now. Fielders on the boundary, there's a 12th man there with a sugary drink for them, a gay trade, or they might have a banana, which produces sugary secretions, obviously, and saliva in your mouth, as well as having boiled sweets, mints, chewing gum, whatever, just to keep them uh, going during the day and, and give them a little bit of sugar and a little bit of energy. So they've constantly got artificial substances in their mouth. So where do you go with this ICC? Do you just say you ban saliva on the ball completely, which changes the game because we've always been able to, you know, shine one side of the ball using a bit of this and a bit of that? Or do you say, well, basically anything goes, in which case, you know, no doubt some some sweet manufacturer will be producing the ultimate sweet for shining the ball or something. I mean, they're, 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 
it's a difficult one and, and it needs some clarification. I think this has brought it to a head. Chris Wokes for England, uh, ahead of the England-India test yesterday, uh, the England bowler said, well, we'll do it and I'll continue to do it until someone says, you know, we'll shine the ball in various methods and uh, there's, there's a difference between ball tampering, which is like artificially changing the condition of the ball, i.e. digging into it with your fingernails, the old bottle top in the pocket. Mike Atherton got done having dirt in his pocket, rubbing it on the ball, scuffing up one side, zip as we've talked about, rubbing it on the zip of your pants, whatever. Um, that is picking at the seam. That is ball tampering. Shining the ball has always been allowed within the rules. So it's a question of what is allowed to be put on the ball and it's a much it's a it's not a black and white uh area and it's something the the icc uh cricket board need to international cricket board um cricket council sorry icc who who run the game internationally and of course ergo domestically for everyone need to clarify quickly because you know with with a gazillion cameras around the ground now players are going to get you know TV cameramen, TV directors are going to be on the lookout for players, you know, popping a sweet in their mouth and seeing if they do anything to the ball. They're going to get caught more. So it needs to be uh, clarified what exactly they can and can't do. Because you can't get away with it. In the, in the past, I mean, when there weren't all the gazillions of cameras, I'm sure far worse happened. Uh, far worse happened in terms of, 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 of doctoring the ball. But now they can't get away with it so it needs clearing up it needs clearing up absolutely mate do you want to uh, i've got some uh, cricket scores you want to you want to run through them yeah uh well we've got well, three uh, test matches today would you believe in in this part of the world got, them on, the, got them on the screen um, for you uh, south africa against australia of course down there day night test in adelaide so it hasn't started yet we'll start in around about 12 minutes our time um south africa declaring at 259 for nine because david warner come back whether you know and Strange one, because Duplessis was still unbeaten at the time, the captain on a century, and uh, the number 11 wasn't doing too bad supporting him. They might have eked out another 30, 40 runs, which could be crucial, because Australia, in reply, 307 for six at the end of the second day, leading by 48. A rare thing to say this winter, Australia leading. I don't think they have in any test so far, by two runs in Perth after the first innings, that was it. So Australia in a in a handy position there in the day-night test, but it, it's been a strange one because the ball really swung around first session, first day, then it kind of went flat and dead. Um, then it picked up again a little bit under lights. Um, so you don't really know what it's going to do. It could be that today, the third day, before the pitch kind of deteriorates, and with South Africa having a tricky left-arm leg spinner, could be the best day to bat, but South Africa will need to bat well when they get in today because it looks like they could be staring down a sort of 60, 70, even maybe a 100-run deficit, which is going to be huge in a in a low-scoring game. So they will need to bat very, very well. And Australia will be very, very pleased with a with a young side, say Hanscom's come in, Renshaw, five new faces in the side, five recall faces, three debutants. And uh, they've rocked up pretty well and, um, you know, put some pride back in Australia. Very, very solid batting performance. I mean, they really gutsed it out early on when when South Africa were, were bowling very, very well. Carl Abbott, in particular, was not giving a runaway, not giving anything. And, and Usman Khawaja has had pressed in as a makeshift opener because David Warren was off the pitch when Faf du Plessis declared, so couldn't open the batting. It's a bit of a technical area in cricket. I won't go into it too much. But anyway, he couldn't open. So Khawaja got promoted from three to open the batting, and he's still there. Um, uh, you know, he's unbeaten. Um, 
overnight. So uh, he's batted the whole innings and, and a very, very good century. And it had to be said he needed to after running out his captain, <laughs> Steve Smith, uh, which is a bit of a oops moment for any player. But, uh, yeah, Australia uh, certainly got the edge at the moment, but they need to push on with four rickets remaining. I mean, if South Africa can... Say starting about ten minutes time, if South Africa can wrap it up quickly, then they'll feel they're in with a shout this match. But Australia, if they could bat on for a bit this morning until lunch, they could take the game away. Of from course, them. they're trying to avoid that whitewash they're for the first avoid, time in yeah, history. For South Africa already won the series, of course, two 0 up, and uh, yeah, it would be the first ever home whitewash for the Australians in their history, and they do not want to be go down in history as the team that uh, that happened to. Uh, New Zealand in the other test that's going on at the moment Across the uh, over in Hamilton uh, New Zealand against Pakistan New Zealand just uh, just as we speak all out for 271 in their first innings uh, against Pakistan Pakistan put them into bat and New Zealand having been put in on a very green pitch with a lot of rain around will probably be quite happy with that 271 I don't think it's going to be easy to bat for the Pakistanis but we'll see they'll be out in a minute and of course one we're uh, looking forward to as well at 12 o'clock our times about 40 minutes time England will start off the third test against India in Mahali 1-0 down in the series in England India played very very well in the second test uh, but it looks like there's a bit of grass on this pitch unusually in, in Mahali so I'm hearing from my man for AFP there Faisal Kamal told me it's a bit grassy and um, it could be a, we've seen three spinners for each side in the first two tests um, it might be a seamless pitch, in, unusually for, for uh, India, first up, or certainly early doors. So, again, the, the toss could be crucial there. It could be toss, bat first, win the match, really, um, which is what tends to happen in India. But we'll see. We'll see. Fascinating. A very well-matched sides, I think, India and England. And I think there's three, three games to play. India 1-0 up. Plenty, plenty of mileage left in that series as well. Absolutely, mate. Uh, well, let's, get, let's push on. We'll make it uh, short and sharpish. But... Yeah. Uh, Elsewhere in the sporting world, where do you want to head now? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, scandaling cricket, but it's over, over a suite, and it piles into significance. There's a proper scandal going on in English football at the moment. And not, uh, not the first one of the year. I mean, yeah, it's been and, um, between, you know, Sam Allardyce. and nasty stuff, yeah. I mean, managers saying things and that is one thing, but this is, uh, it, you know, there's been... Uh, claims or certainly allegations uh, and probably evidence of a serial uh, sex abuse of youth, youth players going back uh, many, many years historical into the 70s, 80s and 90s. And we now got, I was reading up on it this morning, we now got four British police forces uh, involved from Hampshire to Cheshire uh, investigations. This is all because of a former crew Alexandra coach Barry Burnell who's now convicted Peter three times convicted paedophile and a player one of the players uh, very bravely Andy Woodward who was under him at, at crew has come out and said that he was sexually abused by this uh, evil man I, I watch my language here um, while he was a youth player and it turns out other now others at least four players have come out now including the former Spurs Man City in England forward Paul Stewart and the former Spurs Man City player David White have come out and said they were sexually abused as youth players and you feel this is only the tip of the iceberg a lot more is going to come out and I want to you know and, the, and the, possibly the reason for that is you know they're, they're football players they're supposed to be the ultimate macho they're supposed to be the ultimate role models obviously there's got to be a lot of people that just don't want to come forward because of the image they, they have. Well, there's know? that, and there's also the fact that they probably thought they wouldn't be taken seriously. It's 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 almost as echoes of the Jimmy Savile and Stuart Hall at the BBC when you've got a figure of authority 
within an organisation, uh, whether it be the BBC or whatever, you come forward, who's going to believe you? And you've got a senior coach at somewhere like Crew Alexandra, which uh, people might not have heard of Crew Alexandra. They're one of the lower division teams, but they've always been renowned as having a fantastic football academy under the manager. Uh, now director of football there, Darry Grady is the longest serving manager in the football league. They brought through players such as uh, I think of players who've come through such as Rob Jones of Liverpool, David Platt, um, uh, Danny Murphy, uh, and many many others come through the crew ranks. Paul Stewart, as we're talking about, and others. Um, uh, David White. Um, they've been a production ground and have been renowned as having this fantastic uh, youth youth setup and youth academy. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like this youth academy has also been infiltrated by paedophiles and, and serial child abusers, which is uh, you know it's terrible news. But it can't be the. I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, the Jimmy Savile case came to light in the BBC a, a few years ago, and then it opened up a whole. Uh, slew of cases that followed with, with other celebrities and, and people with Stuart Hall's another one at the BBC and, and many many others who, who and lots of people coming forward and saying they were abused and the, the, the scale of it was quite horrific I have a feeling that we're just getting into horribly something like that in football and then I can't think that this is just confined to football, you've got youth set ups in many other sports in the UK and other countries um, we've seen it in the Catholic Church as well, haven't we? We saw with the Irish priest and the, and the priest in Boston. The, the, it, it, it must be in all part. It must have been at that uh, time know, in all parts of society. People like to generalise. Oh, it's only it's only the, yeah. in the church lane. But there are young people involved. You know, vulnerable young people all over. Well, think all over of other society. sports such as gymnastics or swimming or rugby or where coaches are kind of quite closely and intimately involved with very young children. They become children. almost like father-like uh, figures or, yeah. or mother-like figures, and, you know. And they be, I say when someone is in a figure of authority, if you're a, a young child, how on earth, if your coach who you worship who think, you think is going to take you to you know, glory in football or Olympic gold medals in gymnastics or whatever, how dare you speak against them and, and tell even your parents what they're doing to you and you might not understand what's being done to you till later in life but it affects you and it scars you for life and uh, these people have got to be weeded out and the, and the main thing is they've got to be brought to justice uh, there's got to be some sort of closure for the victims of them and uh, unfortunately I feel we're going to we're just at the tip of the iceberg of a lot more horrible stories to come out but the sports and the authorities have got put measures in places and mechanisms in places for people to come forward to make sure that this can never happen on this scale again you can't say it's never going to happen again because there are evil people in society we know that in all shapes and forms but to stop it happening on this systematic almost institutionalized scale ever again absolutely um while we're on football, should we move to something <laughs> Seems perhaps? Seems a bit tree, but yeah, let's have a look at Premier League, finish yeah. off today. Um, uh, one crucial match which uh, everyone will talk about, which is uh, 1.30 tomorrow morning, unfortunately, our time. Chelsea v Tottenham, big, big London derby. You know, Tottenham out of the Champions League this week. Um, not done well in Europe, but still unbeaten in the Premier League. Chelsea top of the shop, of course, after last week. And... Uh, and going great guns. I haven't let a goal in since September, would you believe? And Tottenham have been finding it hard to score. So mm. you fancy Chelsea at home. Tottenham not won at Stamford Bridge since 1990 in any form of the game, cup or league. But it's going to be a fiery uh, one, I think. 
you know, strange things happen, and Tottenham have had kind of the kind. Tottenham have had the edge over Chelsea a while lane in recent years, which you, you haven't been able to say very often in the Premier League era. Big, big game because you know it's so tight at the top. There, Chelsea on twenty eight points, Tottenham fifth on twenty four points. You know they can close that gap. Chelsea can, you know. Consolidate their place at the top, and they'd like to because next week they go away to Manchester United. So you've got two tough games in a row coming up, Chelsea. It could be if they win both of them, you know, we'll probably be sitting here in a couple of weeks' time saying, "Well, Chelsea are looking pretty much favourites for the title." However, a couple of slip-ups, and you know, the, as we saw last week, I mean, we had what Liverpool top of the league and Arsenal looking to go top. Arsenal and Tottenham drew. Man City drew with surprisingly with Middlesbrough. Liverpool drew. And Chelsea won, and they went from there to there to top, and suddenly Manchester United not too far off, in, and it's all tightening up again. So uh, it's a fascinating battle. It's, I think it's going to go all the way with four or five teams involved. I hope so. Um, but Chelsea can put a bit of daylight, really, between themselves and the rest with a couple of wins against their leading contenders, you know, against Tottenham and Manchester United in the next couple of weeks. Be interested to see what happens. Other games, uh, the early one, 8.30 kick-off our time, Burnley at home and Manchester City. Vincent Company out for Manchester City again for probably six weeks. I mean, he's, ugh, the end's got to be nigh for him, hasn't he? He just seems to be injured all the time. But big blow to Man City, but I still expect them to have too much for Burnley. Hull against West Bromwich Albion at 11 o'clock. Uh, Leicester's Breezing through in the Champions League, first two place. points above relegation first in the group. Premier League. Yeah. Need a win against Middlesbrough at home. Um, we'll see. You know, Middlesbrough just below them in the table can leapfrog Leicester and put them close to relegation. Unbelievably, then you've got Liverpool against Sunderland, where David Moyes are fresh off two wins. We haven't been able to say that. <laughs> That's a rarity. Two wins him. in a row yeah. for David Moyes off the bottom of the table. He says he's going to go to Anfield and not only park the bus, he's going to park the double decker. <laughs> So that's probably one to miss. That's going to be a Dulles ditch war. Swansea against Crystal Palace, and as I said, the late game, Chelsea Tottenham. Tomorrow, four matches, uh, kick off eight o'clock, Watford v Stoke, and then at 10.15 our time, Arsenal at home to Bournemouth. Uh, Jack Wilshere, unfortunately, will not be able to play against his old team, Arsenal, because he's on loan, loan conditions and all that. Shame. Manchester United at home to West Ham. West Ham, one place above relegation, one point above relegation at the moment. Is it the new stadium? It's the new stadium. Two went up against Spurs last week with a minute to go and lost. It happened again. Uh, we've done that a few times to West Ham over the years. <laughs> and uh, last one, uh, midnight 30, Monday morning our time, Southampton at home to Everton. And that is, of course, Ronald Koeman back at. Southampton for the first time since he left as mm. manager for the Everton manager. So a little bit of a there'd be a little bit of niggle maybe in that one. So some good fixtures coming up, but undoubtedly the highlight and could have a big bearing on on the Premier League this season. Chelsea v Tottenham. Unfortunately, the wee small hours we've all got to stay up late and be bleary eyed one thirty tomorrow morning. Thanks so much, Danny. All right, and uh, maybe a cheeky preview: uh, the Hong Kong Open coming up. Yeah, we've uh, we've been discussing it this week. The coverage we're going to bring you. Uh, I'm glad to say I'm going to bring you coverage live from the Hong Kong Open Golf, which is in a couple of weeks' time, on every day on the Thursday and the Friday uh, in Steve James' show in the afternoon. I'll be reporting live on what the leaders are doing and and what's happening there on a the course. Of course, we'll have uh, we'll have plenty to say in in Judd's show on a Sunday morning, and then uh, we'll be right there throughout the day on the final day through uh, Karen. 
Carolyn and Paul's uh, Sunday escape and Sunday morning they'll be crossing over to me live at the course and with Simon Wilson in the afternoon be bringing you all the live action hopefully a few interviews from the Hong Kong Open so we're, we're beefing up their co- our coverage this year if you can't get down there we've got Justin Rose returning we've got Danny Willett the Masters champion there Ian Poulter a host of stars it's going to be a great tournament so if you can't get down there to watch it in person listen to us I'll bring you all the latest on RTHK Radio 3 thanks so much mate here's some Tom O'Dell I know
turn a page on a world that you don't need. Wide awake and you're scared that you won't come down. Now, didn't I tell you you were gonna break down? Thomas Pieces there. You're listening to The Juice on Radio 3. Big thanks to Danny Hicks for coming in for sport. Plenty more tunes on the way, including some Brian Adams. Turns out Brian Adams is playing a show in Hong Kong next year. Yes, I'm as excited as you are. Here he is. Brian Adams, She Knows Me. Winds will come and winds will go And the seasons always change But the light that shimmers in her eyes 
Everywhere I will be with you, everything I will do for you. You 
forever it's quite a bold statement i thought at least buy me a drink first betty we've got plenty more music coming up remember two three three eight eight two six six that's the number you can give us a call on travi j coming in after 12 with the kong community calendar you're as excited as i am here's some weezer off their latest album the white album it's thank god for girls the girl in the pastry shop with the net in her hair is making a cannoli for you to take on your hiking trip in the woods with your bros that you've known since second grade and you make kind of dragons or ruffians and be called upon to employ your testosterone in a battle for supremacy and access to females glued to the tv and even if you are victorious you may receive many cuts bruises and scrapes and you will require band-aids and antiseptic ointments and and the love and kisses on you
a centrifuge machine mixed it with cardamom and cloves. Microwaved it on the popcorn set, and while Adam was like. Thank God for girls. Now, if you're in the market for uh, having a bit of a dance, having a bit of a sing, maybe you're interested in a bit of M.I.A. She's playing tonight down at the Clock and Flap Festival. What does she sound like? If you've never heard M.I.A., she sounds a little bit like this. I bungo with my lingo and meet it like a wing, yo. To combo, to Colombo, can't stay be your type, my thing, yo.
MIA, sun showers. Probably going to get a few showers today as well. It's raining. 18 degrees at the moment, 89% relative humidity. Plenty more coming up on the juice. Stay tuned. Here's some Bob Sinclair, Someone Who Needs Me. Having lived in Hong Kong for years, I believe that nothing is impossible. Hong Kong people can do anything. We work hard and also play hard. Keeping Hong Kong clean is simple. I can do it and so can you. We know how to handle large bags of garbage as well as small litter. We should dispose of our own garbage properly and never throw rubbish out of car windows. Hong Kong is our home and we can all play a part. Keep Hong Kong clean. We can do it. We've heard the saxophonist Joshua Redman and the pianist Brad Meldow plenty of times on 3 O'Clock Jump, but never as a duo without sidemen. Well, now's our chance. I'm Charles Martin. Join me for two hours of riveting jazz, including the new Redman Meldow album, Nearness. That's 3 O'Clock Jump, Saturday at 3, here on Radio 3.
You're listening to The Juice, Radio 3, Extended Funky Bumper. Travi J's in the studio, say hello, Travi. Hello, Travi. Hello, Travi. He'll be... That's quite enough out of you, my friend. <laughs> He'll be on after the 12 o'clock news. Looking forward to that. Your weather, it's not looking positive. Cloudy with occasional rain, becoming cooler appreciably. Temperatures in the urban areas will fall to around 14 degrees tonight. A couple of degrees lower in the new territories. Rather cool tomorrow morning as well. Bright during the day. 18 degrees at the moment. 89% relative humidity. Travi J with the Kong Community Calendar coming up after the news. Stick around. 23 babies already in utero will not face prosecution, but no new surrogacies will be allowed. The news from RTHK. The government's $2 public transport fare concession scheme enables about 1.3 million people to travel on the MTR, franchised buses, ferries and green minibuses at a concessionary fare of $2 per trip. The government is spending over $1 billion each year on the scheme. The scheme helps build a caring and inclusive society by encouraging beneficiaries to participate more in community activities. For details, visit the Labor and Welfare Bureau's website, lwb.gov.hk.
Neon Indian. Annie there, joined in the studio by Travi J. How's it going, mate? Pretty good. Do you think that's Indian with the dot or the feather? Uh, I think it's a referral perhaps to the Indian Ocean. Neon Indian Ocean. Oh, okay, that's cool. Mm. Uh, well, more about them later on, I suppose. We are going to be discussing an event featuring Neon Indian, actually, so that's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. Continuity. Way to go. <laughs> All right, so it is Kong Community Calendar time. And we've had callers, uh, callers, you know, complimenting your your lovely your lovely segment before. We've had Facebook posts. Travi, your segment, the Community Calendar, has all the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? <laughs> Uh, I think it, uh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a voice of the people. It, it resonates. People really want to go out and have a good time in Hong Kong. They're they're very active in the city. It's a dynamic city with dynamic people, and that's who our listeners are. Clearly, right, Judd? Okay. And, okay, Travis. And it's not because I pander to my audience. Absolutely not. <laughs> that's dynamic not the people. At all. all right. So, what's happening in Hong Kong this week? All right. Well. First off, we actually we have a couple for the kids, uh, some some plays coming up, but and the first the first of which is Roll Dolls the Twits, which is going to be at the Hong Kong Academy of Performing Arts in Wan Chai uh, today at two p.m. and five p.m. and tomorrow uh, there are three shows, so go online to find out all the times there. But uh, yeah, it's it's about a, a revolting couple, the Mister and Mrs. Twit. And, uh, I've they, read the book. I've read the source material. Oh, you you know this. I've read the so source material. So you know that they spend their days playing wicked tricks on each other and mis- mistreating muggle wump monkeys. Yep. Yeah, and, and you also know that they have a particularly sticky trick to catch roly poly birds for the the bird pies. Of their course. Pies. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they're up to all sorts of no good. This uh, disgusting duo. Uh, he he starts gaslighting his wife. <laughs> now. Uh, Give me the definition of gaslighting, because I'm not sure I have a full 100% understanding. Uh, the, the term, it should come from the twits, but it comes from uh, a movie where a woman starts to think she's going crazy because someone's playing tricks on her. Uh, okay, okay. And so in the twits, I believe the husband wants to make the, 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 his wife, which you married this woman, you're supposed to love her, but he plays all these cruel tricks on her. Uh, I just he, he recently a, saw a, a, a newly released motion, motion picture that has some gaslighting in that case, mm. The Girl on the Train, which mm. is an excellent piece, uh, follow-up to Gone Girl, but, so check that out. Uh, in, in the twits, <laughs> in the twits, he, uh, every, every morning he'll like, saw a little bit of the leg off her chair to make her think that she's growing uncontrollably and soon she's going to burst through the, the house. <laughs> it's a bizarre. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, so if you... You know, even if you are familiar with the twits, or you you haven't seen it before, but um, maybe this would be a good one for a, f- a family outing. Roll dolls, the twits, and I mean they're going for the classic boy who likes gross stuff demo. Uh, was that you, Judd? Like, I was absolutely a boy who, mate. Whether it's uh, George's marvelous medicine, James and the Giant Peach, uh, the twits, the big friendly giant. I was all about gross things. Yeah, yeah. Well, were you playing in the mud with uh, worms and so forth, handling gross stuff? I had a thriving mud pie business in the in year three. <laughs> mm, delicious. Didn't, didn't work out. How much did you charge? Oh, we were heavily sued. <laughs> ah, but these days I feel like you could get away with it as long as you just say it's like organic, all natural mud. It's halal, it's organic, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, it's fair gluten-free. trade. Gluten-free. Gluten-free. Gluten-free mud. Mud pies are gluten-free. <laughs> uh, well, that's good to know. But uh, So there's the, where, there's the twits, but let's move on to yet another fine event. This is a fun one. Uh, Red Bull Flugtag 2016, Hong Kong edition. I'm sorry, what? Uh, Flugtag. You're going to have to explain what that is. Oh, I'm going to. Uh, but this is happening at Kai Tak Runway uh, Park in Kowloon Bay tomorrow from noon to 5.30 p.m. Now, 
Flugtag refers to Flight Day in German. It is an international event which dares both the brave and brainy to design, build, and pilot homemade, human-powered flying machines off a six-meter-high flight deck in the hopes of soaring into the wild blue yonder. Um, but pretty much it's just people building planes and crashing them into the ocean. This sounds fantastic. Yeah, by it's the gonna way. be pretty it's gonna be pretty cool. I mean, you haven't seen this in their advertising before? Since Red the, Bull? Since the dawn of century. <laughs> okay. Since the dawn of time. Man has dreamed of flight. <laughs> of flight, exactly. And they do say Red Bull gives you wings. And we come together in that spirit. But I've I've seen the you might have seen the videos uh, on YouTube or something where these guys they strap these wings to them, they like build these bicycle Cheesy, shitty, bang, bang, <laughs> sure. and they just launch themselves off the platform, mistakenly thinking they're going to soar to the greatest. Oh, this heights. is like the black and white films from that they were actually these were real attempts, and they go <laughs> and they just plunge straight into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's what happens. That's pretty much what this is. And uh, the first time that happened in Hong Kong, uh, actually, Hong Kong was the first city in Asia to have it in 2010, and then it happened again in 2014. But it hasn't been back since. Uh, they got over 40,000 spectators last time, and uh, it's going to be another successful one this year, I'm sure. Uh, I hope Clock and Flap doesn't cut too much out of their uh, crowd. It is very cold to be it going It does seem like an overlap. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, I'm sure there'll be some people who get some really fun, uh, funky designs. And uh, this also reminds me of water, uh, the water cross. Back where I'm from, uh, at, on ski resorts, they basically, at the bottom of a, a steep ski slope, they will make a really long patch of water, and people try to cross on their skis, like, get up as much speed as they can and fly across and all this water. And they never do. Uh, sometimes they mm. do. Um, my little brother has been doing it since he was a kid, and uh, I've seen him complete it, and then I think last year I also saw him do a complete face plant. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun times for sure. Uh, go watch some people do some face plants of their own here in Hong Kong at Red Bull Flugtag. Again, that's at Kai Tech Runway Park in Kowloon Bay tomorrow from noon to 5.30 p.m. Fun times. Another event. What do you say, Judd? Please, lay it on Can us. we pull this off? Is this equally as death-defying? Do they defy death? No, this is... Uh, no, this is much tamer than that. But it's the uh, the end of Mo Party at Beef and Liberty in LKF on Wednesday, November 30th. This coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. This is an all-you-can-eat-drink-and-party event. Uh, we'll have DJs on hand. It's $250 for for all-you-can-eat, drink, Which is and, rare. Rare that you get an event like that. You, you lot of all-you-can-eat uh, venues, a lot of all-you-can-drink venues, but all-you-can-party? All-you-can-party. Uh, usually they cut me off party. Yeah, you know, they're like, they you're say, partying too hard, Jim. Yeah, you've, ta- you've taken up more than your quota of party. Please, Hammer, don't hurt them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they'll have Fox and the Barber will be there to tidy up your, your mo. Uh, it's I, I I'm gonna have a commentary on this later. But nice pops will be uh, handing out delicious Mo popsicles. Oh, because it's the end of Movember. That's right. Mm. And uh, Americraft Imports will be giving out shooter samples of bourbon, bourbon and whiskey, and uh, from the Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, yeah, some free flow beer. It's going to be delicious, and they're going to have some uh, giveaways too. And they've already been donating five dollars for every burger they've sold all month over there at Beef and Liberty. So help them cap off the effort. Uh, how is your stash doing, Judd? It's, it looks like it's coming in pretty thick. There, it's coming in real thick. Uh, people can't see it at home, but I have a I have a Hall and Oates esque. I have a John Oates esque. Yeah, furry caterpillar. Sitting and on I top have there. the uh, the Sam Elliott. Oh, uh, no, you're not quite cowboy <laughs> enough for that. 
Uh, just call me the dude. Um, okay, but I, I object to people calling it Mo instead of Stash. I mean, who actually, does anybody say, oh, my Mo Stash? Right, because the pronunciation is not, it's mustache. It's mush. Mustache. 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 Yeah, so uh, I I go for Stash as the shortened version of mustache. No, I, I'm, I'm anti-Mo. Sorry, sorry, Movember. Should have been Stashvember, in my opinion. Travi, rarely do you get so political on this show. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I am a political guy, and it's coming out. I'm trying to control it, but it's really coming out. Jed. Do you want to head to a song? We should, I think. This one was a request. We listened to it a little bit because I'd never heard this song before. This is uh, it's pretty funky. Well, that's what the, it's in the title at least. Released on seven inch in 1975. This was a request. If you have a request. Give us a call, 233-88266. Here's Jasper Carrot with Funky Moped. The lights were groovy colours The band was playing slow We danced just one dance together Then she said, I've got to go now! I brushed away a teardrop And followed Moped. Wow, that, that one uh, got off to a slow start, but it really did actually throw in a little bit of funk at the end there. It was it was uh, hopping. That's, uh, <laughs> thanks so much for your request. That was Jasper Carrot. Um, I was saying a little bit earlier in the show, I saw George Clinton, uh, and a funk legend. Did you say, what up, G? 
No, he didn't. No. Um, not personally, anyway. <laughs> he said what up, Hong Kong. I thought you guys were tight. But, like, their, their, the songwriting structure for them, or their go-to of how to write a song, is think of a really dirty sentence and then replace any expletives with the word funk. <laughs> uh, or dog. Yeah, I want, I want to funk you up. Okay. Or, uh, you know, let, let's funk tonight or something, you know? <laughs> sure. Uh, I guess that only works with a, a specific expletive, though. It's not you, you can't just sub it in, like, you son of a funk or something like that. You know? I like, actually, I don't mind that. <laughs> you son of a funk? That's very funny. I think, I think I'm gonna, we should start using that. Yeah. We have a catchphrase here on the uh, community calendar now. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get, get into some events. What do you say? Yes, let's. Okay, here we go. Uh, another, I, I mentioned multiple plays that you could uh, take your kids to this week, and here's the other one. This is a classic. This isn't for just for dirty boys. This is, you know, you could take the the little girls to this one too. It's the Jungle Book at the Hong Kong Academy of Performing Arts in Wan Chai. Four shows from December first through December third. So check out check it out online for times. But of course. This is the story of Mowgli, who yearns to find his place within the community of jungle animals. And, I mean, we all know uh, you, you have your classic characters, Baloo the Bear. You got Shere Khan the Tiger, one of the original uh, hard... Well, I don't, I don't think I should... Hard butts, I would say. Hard butts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean... Do you, and do you remember who the jungle VIP is? Uh, the jungle well, VIP. Oh, King Louis. King Louis, of course, and he also calls himself. Was that, the... was that actually Louis Armstrong voicing that? Yeah, yeah, in the, in the original Amazing. movie, uh, animated. So movie. They, they named the character after him. I don't know. Or did Rudyard Kipling actually write it? And as Louis, and it just so happened that Louis Armstrong. I was... think it just is a coincidence. Well, there was a few King Louis back in. Or France. maybe there, there might have been some liberties taken by Disney. What do you some think? Creative I wouldn't liberties. put it past him. Um, but uh, he also calls himself the King of the Swingers, which means that if King Louis lived in Hong Kong, he would probably reside in Discovery Bay. Oh, I wish I had a rim shot for that. Oh, that's <laughs> excellent. That was excellent. But um, bump. He just, uh, he just wants the secret of man's red fire. That's it. <laughs> that's true. Um, so, That's all he wants. Like, all, all my favorites will be there. Bagheera, the panther, Car, the snake. Uh, this this play, the uh, these characters are played by actual animals, correct? Trained animals? See this? I'm <laughs> Trained animal <laughs> thespians? I'm not sure. I have a feeling not. What do, what do you think? They, they have the animals on stage, and then they have, like, trainers that put peanut butter in their mouths, so they start, like, opening their mouths. I would love... <laughs> And somebody off stage is is voicing them. We wouldn't if that were the case. We wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd be already in line to buy tickets. <laughs> uh, well, if anyone from that production is listening, you know how to really kick things up a notch next time. Uh, how hard next can time it be around. to get a, How hard can it be to get a full size Bengal tiger? Uh, and to uh, one that likes peanut butter as well. I think they're extinct now, actually. A Bengal tiger? Yeah, they, they're getting close. I don't know. Yeah, they're getting I, close. I don't think tigers are doing super well, as no, are, you know, a lot of animals on the planet compared to human beings. I don't know why that is. We're number uh, one. Couldn't be We're number one. Dominating We're the number planet. one. <laughs> uh, hey, remember Tailspin? Uh, what? <laughs> Tailspin was the name of this show uh, on American television. It was an animated half-hour cartoon show that featured all the characters from the Jungle Book, except it was set in, like, the 1930s, and they were all flying planes for some reason. This is a real thing. I need to check this out. <laughs> um, do you have the details one more time, though, for it? Jungle Book. The, the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. The Hong Kong Academy of Performing Arts in Wan Chai. Four shows from December 1st through December 3rd. And find out more online. 
Yeah. I mean, you could just search up the Jungle Book on uh, Facebook, I'm sure, or uh, the Hong Kong Academy Performing Arts. Yeah. There nice. you go. Nice. Uh, and now let's get back to something we alluded to earlier. Neon Indian Live DJ set at Key Club in Central, Friday, December 2nd, from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And, I mean, uh, Key Club is very happy to bring in the amazing Neon Indian on December 2nd. Uh, if anyone is not familiar with Neon Indian, this is a band that was here at Clock and Flap last year, and they rocked the house. They were really good. Judd, mm-hmm. did you see them? I sure did. I was front row, and they were fantastic. Yeah, I was really impressed, actually. They, and that song, Annie, we played earlier, one of, one of my favorite tracks at, at this moment in time. But, I mean, they just ooze cool in a somewhat Prince-like uh, way. A lot of eyeliner and so forth. A lot of eyeliner, uh, <laughs> good dance moves. That's always yeah. really underrated in performance these days. Yeah, but uh, and I, we were talking before about how we're kind of in protest to this policy that Clock and Flap has of not mm. inviting, not allowing an act to appear two years in a row. I mean, they'll they'll let them alternate every other year, but not back to back. Because, as you said, there, uh, you were telling me in Macau this weekend, they're also having a music festival that's Singa- sh- sharing a lot of the same acts, and, and in Singapore as well, they're sharing the same acts at Neon Lights. But uh, Hong Kong got the oh, in sh- Singapore, Hong Kong got the shaft, I believe. Yeah, yeah, this, it was in Singapore, not yeah. Macau. <laughs> uh, but yeah, except Neon Indian is not allowed to play because of that policy. So. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the guys who are running Clock and Flap are listening, because they, they don't really have anything better going on right now. They've been on Radio 3, yeah. <laughs> and uh, come on, guys. H- hook us up. Two, the same act two years in a row. It's not that big a deal. You know what it is? Uh, it's actually quite close. Uh, the, the stage is this year quite close to, you know, on the harbor front to the PLA and the, you know, the... the um, <laughs> you know a certain uh, beijing element yeah. and maybe that's just too much hip gyration to be that close to to the that's true to the top of the ladder it, w- it was for the good hip, of, it was for the gyration. good of the people it was for the good of the people. after the way everyone got riled up by neon indian last year comrade i can get behind that do we have another event <laughs> da da we do da. uh final event for the week world wine tour 2016 at manho chinese restaurant in the jw marriott hotel at pacific place this is saturday next saturday week from today december 3rd uh taste over 200 wines from around the world and find great deals for up for the upcoming holiday season obviously we're going to be buying gifts for house parties and so forth. Uh, a lot of people bake cookies, but if you're not a baker, maybe you want to grab some wine. And they're going to have a delicious uh, delicious selection of wines from all over the place. France, Italy, Spain, North America, South America, Australia, New Zealand, even Japanese wine. Isn't that just sake? I believe it's sake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll all be featured, and they'll have bonus uh, door gifts on the day. And uh, I don't think I'll be in attendance because I really overdid it at Beertopia last weekend. Which we discussed, I, yeah. I still feel like I haven't uh, recovered fully from that. So maybe another all-day all drinking event is not in the cards for me. Travi, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, uh, good, to, good to come in, as always. We just had Thanksgiving. We did. I, I had Thanksgiving. You had Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for this year? What am I thankful for? I'll tell you what I'm very thankful for is for my my friends here in Hong Kong. Yeah, that's a nice thought. Yeah, that, mm. I think I think, uh, and then I'm also going. But at the same time, I'm going to be thank. I'm thankful that I'm going to get to go back home for Christmas and New Year's and uh, see my family and friends back there as well. Who are of course much better than your actual Hong Kong friends. <laughs> uh, not true. Not, not true, true at all. Not I, true. My Hong Kong friends are very dynamic people. <laughs> <Call> so <back>. dynamic. <laughs> 
Thanks so much, Travi. Uh, let's head to a song, and then we got a couple of interviews that I'm going to play. Uh, I'm not happy with one of the interviews, but we'll see. All right. We'll hey, see. Stay dynamic, Judd. Thanks for the community calendar. Jesse J. Shadam. Oh. If I go hard, let me tell you that it's worth it. Play the right cards. I, I ain't afraid to work it. Rush them right off when they say I don't deserve it. Hang on to my heart. You, you keep my fire burning. Hey. Oh, it feels so crazy when you scream my name. Love it when you rock me over every day.
Jesse J there with Wild featuring Big Sean. I was down at the Central Harbour Front last night talking to artists performing at the Clock and Flap Festival, including this pair who are there for their fourth year in a row, a feat that I don't believe has ever been repeated. Uh, the very, the very talented Crimes Against Pop. Here they are. Jod Boas here reporting live for The Juice. Well, it's live when I record it anyway. Uh, from deepest, darkest Central Harbour Front. And I'm joined, it's my great pleasure to be joined by Crimes Against Pop, one of the premier acts. Uh, this is your fourth year at Clock and Flap in a row, which is, i got to say, some kind of record, a Usain Bolt-esque record. Uh, introduce yourselves to our lovely audience, who are obviously uh, not familiar with your work. <laughs> uh, they probably haven't heard of us. Uh, Paul Haswell, Crimes Against Pop. Hi, I'm Carolyn Wright, also Crimes Against Pop. Such fresh voices on the radio, we really appreciate it. Uh, now, we're in the middle of, some would say, a, a food barn... Uh, a bizarre. A bizarre. Call a it a bizarre. bizarre. I like it. It's, it's like if you go to a, a village somewhere in England in the in the in the summer, they're all drinking cider and they've got these tablecloths. Yeah, scrumpy tablecloths which are red and Ooh, white check. Gingham, gingham tablecloths. Is that no gingham? That's gingham. It's Korean, isn't it? No, that's gingham. gingham. No, you're wrong. As we, as I've uh, highlighted previously on the show, tackling the big issues here on Radio Three, like what pattern the tablecloth is. It's important. I did mention uh, it's your fourth year performing in a row. Does that mean the pre-show jitters are all but gone? Are you just ready to go on and do your, by God, ninety-minute set tomorrow? Well, actually, today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been petrified. Is the words? I'm. I'm not. I don't know really? about you. Yeah, we've been we've been prepping for this for two weeks. So uh, when you're DJing a, a set, and you know exactly how long you're going to play. You have a massive list of music and you just hive it down. So I've been listening to the same songs on rotation for about two weeks. I've gone, like... I made you listen to them too. Uh, yeah. Gone from about 300 songs down to there's probably about 30 we'll be playing from. Seriously. She didn't do anything. That's a complete lie. I've spent the entire last fortnight with the same songs on my iPod. I might go crazy shortly. Can you name them all? I can't name them all. Well, Goodness. Then. Is it possible we could see a mental breakdown during a Crimes Against Pop set? Oh, I like Kanye. Yeah, I like Kanye. And our prayers do go out to him. God, yeah. goodness. We'll be having a tribute to him during the show, very briefly. Very, very briefly, of course. You know, along with other pop stars who may have suffered to come down this year. Really? <laughs> Trying to think, trying to think which which of the three hundred songs. Uh, Bowie, Prince, they've all suffered come downs. See? Bowie has, I suppose. But, yeah, you can call him. About it. a six foot come down. Too much. He was cremated. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Sorry. He's right. Uh, so I'm not sure when I'm going to play this, but let's just say, oh, I don't know, it's twelve thirty on a Saturday. Uh, you guys are playing in about two hours time what can people expect if they get down to the central harbour front what can they expect from crimes against pop all right so we're on 2 30 on the robot stage and we are going to be playing a mixture of old school hip-hop and a few new things just to just to line it up we figure it's a long set it's the middle of the afternoon so people may well be sitting at these very tables the gingham tables so we'll be playing everything from some of the, the hip-hop that's been really good this year chance the rapper designer and a bit of Kanye from... Of course. Got to give him some money somehow. Maybe he'll get yeah, royalties. Yeah, you know, he's... I think he gets about six cents of every time we play a song. He'll need it. And then we're playing some proper old-school club bangers. So Cypress Hill, what else will we be having? I think the important fact it. is that we'll be overdressed and dancing like lunatics. Yeah, we should stress that. So um, 
a lot of DJs, there's a lot of people complain that DJs are sort of just turning up in t-shirts and are scantily clad. I'm Not here in so many layers. It's like I'm DJing in the Arctic. I'm the smartest DJ, at least. Look, it's been lovely to talk to you guys, and you guys are so uh, charismatic, so friendly. Gosh, if there was a similar duo to you, say, on a Sunday on the radio, where could you find them? Do you know, I'm, 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 I'm a big fan. There are these two people who do a Sunday morning show on RTHK Radio 3. Get out of town. They are so good. I recommend them wholeheartedly. They have the Crimes Against Pop recommendation. We're talking about Simon Wilson, of course. <laughs> oh, yes. I thought you were on on a Sunday. Oh, no. Stuart Clarkson and Simon Wilson. Check them out. But also, uh, 9.30 till 1, Sunday Escape. Great show. It's very good. Highly recommended. Thanks so much, guys. I'll tell you what, I think those two have a future. Those kids, they keep their nose down, keep their nose to the grindstone, I think they'll make it big. Big thanks to Paul Haswell and Carolyn Wright there. Check them out, they're playing in about two hours' time down in Central. Go support your Radio 3, uh, my Radio 3 brethren anyway. Here's some Jamiroquai. Feels just like it should.
Polling for the 2016 nomination exercise for the Hong Kong Arts Development Council will take place from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. on November 27th and 28th at Mong Kok Community Hall. Members of the arts community who are registered voters are urged to cast their vote on the polling dates. For details, please visit www.voteforhkadc2016.hk or call 3791-2032. I was clean, a patron. I was young and an actress. When you knelt by my mattress and asked for my hand, but I was sad. You asked it as I laid in a black dress with my father in a cast. I had no plans. Yeah. And I left the footprints, the mud stained on the carpet, and it hardened like my heart did when you left town. But I must admit it, I would marry you in an instant. Damn your wife, I'd be your mistress just to have you around. But I was late for this, late for that. Late for the love of my life, and when I die alone, when I die alone, die I'll be on time. I... And while the church discouraged any lust that burned within me, yes, my flesh it was my currency, but I held true. And the traffic distracts me from the strangers in my backseat. They remind me of you, but I was late for this, late for that, late for the love of my life. And when I die alone, when I die alone, when I die, I'll be on time. The only gifts from my Lord were birth and death. But I've read this script in a costume fix, so I play my part. There with Cleopatra. Remember, you can get a request in two three three eight eight two six six. Here's some Daft Punk. Digital love.
Funk, uh, Digital Love. This next band, I've played the, uh, them a couple times on the show. Turns out I've uh, scheduled for an interview with them tonight, so if you like the band, uh, do let me know. Do send a question, perhaps, to The Juice on Radio 3. I can ask you their question. I'll be playing it next week on the show. Fat Freddy's Drop, all the way from New Zealand. Here they are with Wandering Eye. <laughs>
Smoking cigarettes or e-cigarettes in statutory no-smoking areas are both offenses and liable to a fixed penalty of $1,500. E-cigarettes may contain formaldehyde, a Group 1 cancer-causing agent which is hazardous to health. They also create secondhand vapor. E-cigarettes containing nicotine are pharmaceutical products requiring registration in Hong Kong. Quit smoking now. Department of Health Smoking Cessation Hotline 18331813 Sat up in the back seat driving around his back street Something's getting at me I'm numb so what does that mean I'm a sad cause you lied I'll run my mind cause you tried Saber Emotion. Thanks so much for joining me here on The Juice. I'll be back next weekend as usual, 9 till 1. Weather forecast for this afternoon and tonight. Cloudy with occasional rain, becoming cool appreciably. And I do mean appreciably. We're looking at temperatures of about 14 degrees later tonight. Quite chilly indeed. Rather cool tomorrow morning. It's 18 degrees at the moment. 86% relative humidity with a strong monsoon signal in force. Despite the weather, try and have a lovely afternoon.